Hey, good morning, Highlight Church. Um, so good to see you today. Um, hey, I just want to make a quick update. Uh, we were originally um, set to adopt eight families for Christmas this year, uh, and that was about 14 kids. Um, we've bumped that up now to uh, 15 families and almost 40 kids. So thank you for your for your generosity and your giving. Um, thank you for all your gift cards and your winter accessories. And um, you're really gonna uh, be the conduit by which God brings um, someone joy during this Christmas. Um, so thank you so much. We are in a series entitled The Genius of Generosity. The Genius of Generosity. And uh, the whole idea is, is that the greater our giving, the greater our impact. The greater our giving, the greater our impact. And this, this is important to God. Um, we find that uh, the Bible speaks more on your finances. As, as a matter of fact, it speaks about twice as much on your finances than it does heaven and hell put together. And so um, also Jesus compared your money in Matthew chapter 6. He says that your money is the only thing that fights for your heart's affection and your mind's attention um, in comparisons to who God is in your life. And he went on and he said that you cannot worship God and mammon. And a lot of people think mammon is just money. Mammon was actually a demon that was worshipped in, in the day of Jesus. And we, the people in Jesus' day thought that mammon actually supplied their resource. But how many people know that God is your source of every blessing that you have? And so Jesus said, you cannot um, worship God and mammon. You must choose. And so um, I just want to thank you once again for your generosity and trusting God. It's going to be exciting to, to take care of almost 40 kids for Christmas this year. We seek to actually double that next year as you continue to stretch. Um, and this is another thing I want to encourage you with. If you want to be blessed in life, so let, let's do an exercise together. We'll kind of get back into it. So on your piece of paper or in your phone right now, put um, areas that I want to be blessed. Put that on your first line, areas in my life where I want the blessing of God on my life. And if you don't, you don't have to participate. But for those of you who do, that's totally fine. All right, areas where I want to be blessed. And then put under that number one with a circle around it, and then put number two with a circle around it as well. Areas where I want to be blessed. Now make a, another category and put areas where I don't want God to move in my life. I need you to make another, another category. Areas where I don't want God to move in my life. Then to put a number one circle and a number two circle. Or if you got a phone, whatever you choose to do. And the category um, there, um, Jesus. Number one, Jesus. Then put number two, me. In that second category, areas where I don't want to be blessed in my life, put number one, me. Number two, Jesus. So, I mean, this can be your relationships. This can be your finances. This can be your future. This can be your, your soul. <laughs> we relinquish a lot of things over to man and to 
uh, tangible items and to money. And that's because ultimately we're putting ourselves first in these areas, not really finding fulfillment. But if you want to find fulfillment, you got to put Jesus in the center between you and the areas where you want to be blessed. Jesus should be right there in the center of all of that. You see how that works? That'd be good. So today I want to bring a message to you entitled Never Too Much. Never Too Much. The Genius of Generosity. We would define the word genius as someone who is um, intellectually and exceptional. Like they're, they're just great. It can be music. It, it can be science. It can be the arts. We all know someone or we are a fan of someone who is exceptional at what they do. Um, but genius can also be defined as distinctive. Someone who's distinct. Uh, we know this person or this organization for this particular thing. And as a church, um, we moved here, a team of nine people, about a year and a half ago, we moved here seeking to give ourselves for the good news of Jesus Christ to this city and to these communities. Because we believe when we read the Bible, if you read Matthew chapter 4, Jesus arrives on the scene and he, he, he's recruiting his disciples. And it's so funny. It's so interesting. It's, it's so good. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I love that. He, he makes a distinction here. He, he's already making them distinct. He's saying, follow me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you invest into the lives of others beyond yourself. He, he didn't say, follow me and, and we're going to sit down on a seat and take in all the air that God gives us. He didn't say, follow me and we're just going to we're going to continue to go to our eight to fives and be upset with our lives and, and follow me in, in the same relationships, the same rigmarole, the same routine, the same life. It's just, just the same old same. He, didn't, he said, follow me, and this is how you're going to find purpose and fulfillment. You take the gospel, you take the good news that you are receiving, and you utilize it out in the world through your time, your talent, and your treasure. I love it because it teaches us something about following God and finding fulfillment in our relationship with Jesus. We have to put to practice what's been preached to us. And so we moved here with this notion and this idea that we're going to give and it's never going to be too much as a church. This year alone, your generosity. Uh, right now, fiscal year, we are at 95000 Fiscal year ends on December 31st. 95,000 tithe and offerings. You've given 12% of that. Our goal and our mark is to give 10% of every dollar back to the community. You've outdone that already before the end of the year. You've ministered to um, moms who are victims of domestic violence, and now they're single. They're running from lodge to lodge shelter to shelter, trying to find safety. You've ministered to teens who are currently um, addicted to substance, substance abusers. You've ministered to the mentally ill. Your giving has done that in your city. You don't have to go to D.C. You don't have to go to Baltimore. You have needs right down the street, right here, that need to be addressed. And as a church, our entire vision in our heart is to be distinct in that way. They said that when you're generous, your mortality rate drops 35%. You have less of a chance of having diabetes. 
you have less of a chance of struggling with heart disease. The genius of being generous. The word generous means above and beyond. And so we're in a season where, as a church, we're preparing our hearts to give to God above and beyond. Above and beyond. And some of you, it's your first time here. We, we're not about money. <laughs> we're about you being blessed. I encourage you to go. How many was blessed last week by week one? Of, of, of genius of generosity. Did we clarify a lot of things there? We talked about, come on, that's, that's good. That, don't be afraid. Don't, don't allow scary people to hold your praise back. Just go ahead and, and thank them right through there. We talked about the tithe and the offering and all these things that are going to help you break generational curses over your finances. So please go back and check week one. With that, welcome to Highlight Church. Let's give our first-time guest a hand clap. Love you guys. Henry, Henry's new. Wow. Love it. Welcome, Henry. <laughs> and all the beautiful and handsome people who are here with us. Never too much. Join me in John chapter 12. Um, go for it, verse 1 through 3 um, on the screen. Six days before the Passover celebration um, began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. Now, the Passover is... Um, a festival that the children of Israel celebrated. Um, it commemorated a time when God delivered them from Egyptian slavery. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And so God sent Moses to Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go. On multiple occasions, Pharaoh said no. And so finally, on the last attempt, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said no. So God said, okay, Moses, tell the entire camp of Israel, this is about 2 million people, um, that I'm going to send the death angel tonight, the death angel. And what I need you all to do is I need you all to kill um, unspotted, unblemished, perfect lambs as a sacrifice. And I need you to take the blood of those lambs and wipe it on the doorposts because tonight the death angel is coming. <coughs> and the death angel is going to take the firstborn of all livestock and the firstborn sons of, of anybody's kids. And if that blood is not there, you shall die. Now that blood, and this is in the book of Exodus, that blood is a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus. Because the Bible says that we are, um, by his blood, we are forgiven. Um, the Bible says that um, there's, a, there's a cost for sin. And, and that cost is someone's life. And so Jesus was the perfect lamb or sacrifice for you and I sin. And so this was a foreshadowing. So the death angel came that night, and he would look at the blood on the doorpost. He'd look at it, and he'd pass by. But wherever the blood did not cover, the oldest child would die. And so what happened in this day, this was hundreds of years before Jesus. This was in Moses' time was that you would hear the cries of all the Egyptians throughout the entire region that night because they weren't covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so uh, Moses said this in his law in the book of Exodus. He says, from now on, have this celebration every year to commemorate what God did in Egypt. And so um, we, they're, they're celebrating this. This is six days before Jesus goes to the cross. This is six days before he passed. And it says here, He's in the home of Lazarus. Watch this. The man he raised from the dead. What? 
man, he raised. Uh, let's see. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, as she often did. Martha was always serving. And Lazarus was among those who ate with him. So the dude that was dead is among those who ate with him. It's so great how you can be dead in one season or something can be dead in one season and now it's full and it's eating and it's partaking of God's goodness in the next season. It's just such a good thing how good Jesus is, how gracious he is, how, how abundant his love is, how abundant his resources are. He'll take you from dead one day to getting full the next day. That's the God that we serve. I need some praisers right through there. I need praisers. I need praisers. I need praisers. Verse 3, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. This was um, commonplace in this time. Servants would wash the feet of guests when it was dinner time. And it was usually the, lowly of serv the lowliest of servants that did this, but it wasn't with perfume. They would wash their feet with water, and then they would go ahead and dab their heads with oil or perfume for decency as you approach the table. Because in Jesus' time, you know, <laughs> this is how you would have eaten dinner, like this. This is how the fellowship was back in Jesus' day. So, like, my head are next to your feet. Like, for some of y'all, that's not a good deal, you know, especially you know, some of y'all probably don't wash up too well. Uh, I had relatives back in the day and just walk in the house and mm, just just toe jams. <laughs> just, oh my God, bro, you need to scrub those things. Get a, get a Brillo pad or something. <laughs> and um, yeah, man. So Mary has this 12 ounce jar of the, did you see that wording? The essence of nard. This is what you call spike nard, the essence of nard. Um, this was a, an extremely expensive, as a matter of fact, it was a year's wage of perfume, 12 ounces, a year's wage that she poured on the feet of Jesus Christ. I was doing some research, and in the next year, the minimum wage in Maryland is going to be $10.10 per hour. And I was just kind of calculating some things. If a person was to work, ideally, without having to take off work, 80-hour um, paycheck, uh, 26 paychecks throughout the year, if you're getting paid every other Friday, at $10.10 an hour, they bring home $19,329. It's minimum wage. That she poured on Jesus' feet. $19,000? What in the world is going on? And some of us make more than that. You know, some of us are in the $50,000, the 75, the 100, the quarter million, the million. We're, we're, we're way up beyond that. But $19,000? I mean, why, why not take a vacation? Why not put a down payment on a nice house? Why not stash half of that in your savings and Go to Ikea and get up on Amazon. Just do some shopping. Why Why not? Why $19,000 for someone's feet? And so then I, I got to thinking, like, 
they teach in seminary that context is king. Context is king. So whenever you're reading your Bible and you come upon a verse where you're trying to get the understanding of what's going on, you need to go back about five verses to, 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 to see, like, what does this all mean? Sometimes you even need to go back a chapter. Read a chapter before and then go on through the verse and you'll get the understanding of what's going on. But the, the, the story actually tells us what's going on. Lazarus, who was once dead, is now at the table eating food. Lazarus is Mary's brother. Lazarus is representative of the fact, as I just said earlier, that there are dead things in our lives that Jesus cares about giving life to. And not only does he want to give life to those areas of our lives, he wants us to be fulfilled in those areas of, of void, in those areas of emptiness. He wants us to be fulfilled and to find life, and he wants them to have a place at the table of our lives. And so there are dead areas. You can think about those dead areas. Some of those are broken relationships. Some of those are past mistakes and bad decisions. Some of those currently are areas within your soul that you can't seem to find peace for or joy or refuge or safety or deliverance. There are dead areas that Jesus can bring back to life. And so we have context here because when she couldn't pay doctors enough to help her brother, when she couldn't get her enough family support together, when she couldn't pray over him enough, if you would go back and read the story, the story tells us that Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. He waited. They sent for Jesus and he waited. And uh, he died. And it got back to him that Lazarus died. He said, now I'm going to go. He said, because this death, he's not dead. It's, it's, it's not the fact that he's dead, but in a sense, I allowed this to happen for God's glory. So I need him to die to show you that it's not your resource that's blessing you. It's not your resource that sustains you. It's not your money. It's not your relationships. It's Jesus. It's God. It's his goodness. It's his grace. It's his forgiveness. So he said, look, I'm going to, now I'll go. And he goes, and it happens, and there's nothing, there's no one, there's no strength. And when she runs out, Jesus steps in. My first point is the price of life. What is the price of a life? What, what, is, the, what is the value? What is the price tag of your life? What, what is the price tag of your peace? What is the price tag of your joy? The price of a life. The price of life. Jesus values life. In the seasons when our resources are tapped out, that's when he steps in. 
I'm going I'm to I'm stay right here because uh, I, I feel God all up, all up in this area. I, I feel him and, and because this right here is more than about money. This is, this is in and out of depression Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is, this is going to a job that I hate going to. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. This is, this is, I don't have a great relationship with my father. And I'm 30 years old, and it still affects me to this day. This, this is the divorce. This is, this is we, we show up with the mask to church on Sunday, but when we get back to it, we're right back in our dysfunction. And I can't seem to tap into anything and find fulfillment. I want to I settle right there. This is, this is one day I was praying for the job I have, and now I'm complaining about that very same job that God blessed me with. One day I was celebrating about it, now I'm complaining about it, and I can't seem to find fulfillment. And what you don't seem to understand is this, no matter where God sets you, no matter what God gives you, no matter what promotion or opportunity opens up, if you don't understand that the, the source of your peace the source of your existence, the source of every blessing that flows in and out of your life, if you don't understand that it's Jesus, this is the deal. You're never going to have enough. You're never going to have enough. What is the price of a life? Because when you're tapped out, Jesus comes in because he's the only one that can afford to give you what you need. Now it all makes sense. What is $19,000? Bill Gates can offer my family, offer me a billion dollars to take my, my wife and my boys away. And as, as good as that sounds, I wouldn't take it. Because their lives are more valuable to me than any amount of money. So it makes sense that she would anoint, and, and the word anoint means to pour and to smear and to set aside the savior of the world because in essence it was his feet that he used to get to her and her family when they needed him the most. So it makes sense that she is bringing her offering of generosity to the feet of Jesus. It makes perfect sense now. It makes <laughs> and I'm so excited about next Sunday. We're going to be able to bring our offering to Jesus above and beyond. She's expressing her adoration and, and, and how much he means to her. Does Jesus mean anything to you? I need you to write that down right through there. Write that down. I'm, I'm going to stay right there, too. I'm flowing with the anointing. I really don't know what's on this paper, so I need you to write that down. Does Jesus mean anything to you? Jesus mean anything to you? And ask yourself that today. John 12, 4 through 6. But Judas Iscariot, uh-oh, the disciple who would soon betray him said that perfume, he said this, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. I love how people try to tell church leadership how to manage the money. And he says this, not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, 
he often stowed some for himself. So he was the money man. It reminds me of how a lot of times I go to Chick-fil-A. I buy the Chick-fil-A online application. How many people got the online application, Chick-fil-A, the app? You sit right there in that parking lot and you wait for them to bring it. You just tell them you're here and they come out as soon as you park. Two minutes later, your food's ready. But you got to double check your sauces. They may not have all your sauces in there. They may even have salt on your fries. Tell them no salt on the fries. Keep it fresh. And so you get your fries, your large fries, and you're on the way home. You get home, most of your fries are gone because your wife has eaten them all. And so you begin to nickname her Judas Iscariot. You have betrayed me. Yeah, that's good, and it's true. I know it's good, and it's true. So Jesus is, um, he's a traveling rabbi. He's going from synagogue, local place of worship, to local place of worship. And wherever he goes, he receives income. This is how traveling rabbis were provided for. Um, Not only that, there were a group of women, if you read Luke 8, verses 1 through 2, that supported the ministry of Jesus. It says that they gave to him out of their means. And so the money would go to Judas. And the reason that the disciples are able to eat is because of the ministry of Jesus Christ in their lives. But the man with the money bag is taking the money. And so what this reveals to us here is that Judas is confronted in this moment with the issue of greed. And Mary's generosity is shedding a light on his unwillingness to give. And the Bible just tells us he betrayed Jesus. It's an issue of greed. And I love how sometimes your goodness, your goodness, your righteousness can shed light on someone else's lack of faith and lack of trust in God. The Bible even says that Noah and his generation condemned the world. Not that he preached condemnation, but because he trusted God and he loved God, they saw the way that Noah lived and they said, he's just crazy. And in essence, they were convicted on the inside, but they didn't get on the ark. They didn't get on the boat. He condemned them through his generosity unto God. And that's what's being revealed here through Judas is 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 his greed. And it says that he betrayed Jesus. Check this out here. Matthew 26, 14 through 16 says this. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest. The leading priest wanted to arrest and kill Jesus. They charged him with blasphemy for uh, saying that he was the son of God, and he was messing up the entire religious system. This is the thing about religious leaders. They love you coming to church and filling their seats. But they will not preach truth because they're afraid to offend you and they're afraid that you won't come back to church. Jesus, Jesus preached truth and his truth healed at the deepest core of people's souls. And that's why they continued to come to Jesus. And so they were saying, look, he's emptying out our synagogues. He's saying he's the son of God. He's saying he is God. He needs to die. And so Judas, here we go, he goes to the leading priest, and they ask, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. In this day, 30 pieces of silver was worth a day's wage of slave labor. 
if you had a slave or an indentured servant and they died on the job that day, someone had to pay the master for his slave 30 pieces of silver. This, now this is bonkers to me. We got a woman who's anointing the Savior's feet with $20,000. Then we have a man who has followed him, who's in a position of leadership, who's been blessed, who's been touched, who's spoken into people's lives, saying that the only thing my leader is worth to me is a day's wage. And it's all rooted in greed. It's rooted in greed. And, and this is the thing right here. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. And we see it here. As you see Mary's uh, generosity. Shouldn't we sell that stuff? Shouldn't we give it to the poor? Shouldn't we? Look, at, look, 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 look. Let me tell Someone just asked me about social justice issues and what do you think the church has to say on politics and Donald Trump and, and the liberals and the conservative. I just want to make this clear. Jesus is not conservative nor liberal. He's not. He, he, he cares about it, but he truly don't because social justice without spiritual healing does no good anyway. It does no good anyway. What we need, what we need in America is we need political leaders who love Christ. Because as soon as we solve one issue, here comes the next one. As soon as we solve the next issue, here comes another one. We need leaders who love Jesus, and that way they can inform policy. If you would notice the ministry of Jesus Christ, he never once addressed a political issue. Because it was not the priority of his father. Read it. So we shouldn't get all up in arms about who the president is, about what he or she does or doesn't do, because it really doesn't matter to God. He put them there. It's our call as a church to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. And it says this in Matthew 27. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he betrayed Jesus. They arrested him, and he, he's about to go and die. And it says this here. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. He said this in verse 4. I have sinned, for I betrayed an innocent man. And they said this to him. What do we care? We got what we want. That's your problem. Then Jews, Ju Judas threw the silver to the ground in the temple and went out and hanged himself. I want to help you right now. What you're not willing to give up will ultimately bring you down. It's that greed, that what we're not willing to give up, what God is, what is God calling you to give up? Because this holiday season won't be about the things you get or don't get. This holiday season, your joy will be founded upon the things that you're willing to give. And for some of us, that's forgiveness. We need to offer our forgiveness to somebody in this season. Because forgiveness doesn't, doesn't, doesn't kill the 
the offender. It kills the, the one that holds the bitterness. Forgiveness is like unforgiveness is like poison. And you have every right. I, I won't even sit here and talk to you like it's not true. You have every right to probably not forgive that person for what they've done or said to you. But you must forgive them so that you're going to be free. What is God calling you to give? Maybe it's your time to someone. Maybe it's your attention. This is the giving season. God is calling some of you to give up toxic relationships that don't promote growth and productivity in your life. For some of you, God is calling you to give up a job because you're too comfortable and it takes no faith and you have no passion and you won't find purpose in it anytime soon but you're wasting time there. Some of you, is, it is your money, especially for seasoned believers. You've been going to church too long not to lay it at his feet. You've been going to church too long not to tithe. And God can't get certain things through you based off of what he said because you won't honor and trust his word. Whatever you hold on to in this season, will bring you down in the next season. But if you would give it up, if you would remain pure in your sex life, that person ain't your spouse. Give it up. Because God can't work within that sphere. Give up the backbiting. When people aren't around, we tear people down with our tongues. The Bible says that you can set the fire of hell with your tongue. Give up that toxic, poisonous talking in the season. It's going to tear you down. But if you would give it up, he will refill you with the good stuff. Unfortunately, Judas did not find this out, and he hanged himself. Hanged himself. John 12, verse 7 says this. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The third point is the time is now. The time is now. You know, I wholeheartedly believe in the principle of sowing and reaping. And... Um, if I could just sit down with y'all for a second. I believe in the principle of sowing and reaping. And, um, you know, I just, I kind of think that whatever seeds that you sow today will reap a harvest at some point in your life. Um, and so, like, there, there was a season, I remember um, the distinct time when it was time to asked Kyra to marry me. And had I not done it in that season, we wouldn't have gotten married. And so there are seasons in your life where you have to, you got to trust God. And it's not going to feel right all the time to do what you're supposed to do. It won't even look right all the time. But you got to take that step of faith and do it. Because 
there is a, a season. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 says there is a season for all things. There's a time to cry and a time to rejoice. There's a time to live and a time to die. There, there are seasons, and what you do as you end the year off determines how your year starts. There's a season. And so what we see here, we see Mary capturing a season. Jesus is the Son of God. His, his very purpose, the reason why he even came in the first place was to die for our sins. It's the only reason he came. The reason he came was to die. The Bible says that for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. The word their sin means miss the mark. And, and, and his purpose was to take our aim and to put it on the target. And the Bible says that anyone that trusts in him shall receive forgiveness and salvation. And so he's six days away from his crucifixion and his burial. And she's catching him in the right season. I love what Jesus said. He says, leave her alone. She's doing this in preparation of my burial. This is the season. You're going to have the poor with you always. So we're always going to have the naturally poor. Jesus came to address the spiritual poverty in our hearts and in our souls. He came to address that part of it. And it was all rooted in sin. Six days away. The number six is the number of man. The number of seven is the number of new complete uh, is the number of completion. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. You know what happened on that eighth day from this anointing of Mary? Jesus rose from the grave. And so Mary caught Jesus in a place where I'm going to catch you six days away from the crucifixion and the burial. You're going to take on my sin, the sins of the world, and you're going to the cross for us. I want to honor you. I want to adore you. I want to give unto you. The time is now. And then so he said, okay, leave her alone because she's preparing me for this because on the eighth day from today, I'm rising. And this is the promise in Scripture, is that if you trust in Jesus, you've already overcome death in your life. And it clearly explains why Judas kills himself, because he doesn't understand the ramifications of giving unto Jesus his heart, his life, his money his time, his resource. He doesn't understand that everything he gives to Jesus is going to come back a hundredfold in eternity. And that everything that seeks to deaden your life is already defeated. Everyone that seeks to take you out, they're already defeated. Every devil in hell that seeks to defeat you is already defeated because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. And Mary understood that the time to give and the time to trust is now. I cannot let this time pass by me. I must give unto my Savior now because he's going to give far more back to me than I could ever give unto him. And the time is now. What you sow today is what you reap tomorrow. And the time for you to trust 
is now. And I want to share a story with you real quick because her timing is perfect and it was going to bring a harvest of life for you and I. Hope and forgiveness. I want to share this story as we prepare our hearts for our offering. I shared this recently. Um, A woman wrote our church about three or four days ago. And I thank God for Mary. Someone had to anoint Jesus. Someone had to give. She said this, let me start by introducing myself. I'm not going to say her name. I'm a recently divorced single mother of four beautiful daughters. Their ages are 13, 13, 10, and 3. The reason for my email is to see if your congregation is able to help in any kind of way give my daughters a Christmas they so much deserve. This past year has hands down been the most difficult years of our lives by far. Difficult year, sorry. We are currently homeless. I am working in the Montgomery County Social Service um, with the Montgomery County Social Services Shelter Program. We are currently living in a single hotel room in Gaithersburg. I left my ex-husband due to his mental, verbal, and physical abuse. I currently have an active protection order against him. Last year, the night before Thanksgiving, he tried to take our youngest daughter, threatening to never give her back. When I tried to intervene and get my child away from him, he viciously attacked me, leaving me severely beaten, and I had terrible bruising around my neck. My three-year-old was in my arms when he attacked me, and my older girls watched from inside the house. My 13-year-old twins were the ones who called the police. He was arrested, and I spent Thanksgiving in the hospital. Since then, I've had seri- a series of very difficult and unfortunate events. I lost my job at Bob Evans in Germantown in August due to the company unexpectedly closing. I showed up on a Saturday for my shift only to be told the restaurant was closing effective immediately. Ultimately, this is what caused us to be homeless. I lost my only source of income. My transmission went out a month ago, so getting us around on the bus is a task in and of itself. I never in a million years thought um, that at the age of 34 that I would be in this position. I have all but given up, though. I know that even though I do not understand why God has chosen such a rough road for me and my girls, that for some reason this is in his plan. I do want to clarify this is not God's plan for her. This is her situation as a result of brokenness in our world. And this is what Mary was doing. He was, she was sealing the deal so Jesus could address our brokenness. And so she says this, in a lot of ways, my situation has brought me closer to God. I know and I believe we will get through this in these tough times. With all that being said, Highlight Church, is there any way that you're able to help me give my kids something, anything to wake up on Christmas morning? Be so very thankful. I know my girls are aware that Christmas is not truly about gifts, but they are so deserving of something. They have been through so much and have been unbelievable, an unbelievable help to me. I wish I could do it on my own, but unfortunately, I just have absolutely no way. I am willing to volunteer at your church in any way you see fit in return. Blessings. Blessings. Like I said, I thank God for Mary. Because Mary gave to Jesus for us a year's wage. 
her generosity set the Savior apart for our souls. And so next week, we're going to be doing this gift of generosity offering. And for those of you who have never given, I believe God is calling you to be more of a Mary and less of a Judas in this season. To trust Jesus with your resource and to understand that there are needs in your city. Has this lady made some bad decisions? Sure. But we all have. Are you in a situation maybe similar? Probably. But typically we find our healing when we give in our most desperate seasons. So lavish your generosity for the sakes of the good news of Jesus and for the kingdom of God this year. The time is now. The time is now. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Give you glory and honor. We thank you, Lord, for examples like Mary. We thank you, Lord, for her sacrifice and her faith. We thank you, Jesus, that you were pleased with her. We thank you, Lord, that when we give, even out of our shortage, you seek to supply our every need, financially, spiritually, physically. God, I pray that you would touch hearts today. And that there will be a release of faith that we will be able to connect our giving and our sacrifice with the lives of those who need to know you. Help us to release our faith and our trust in this season. God, help us to give up those things that we're holding on to that seek to bring us down in that next season. God, I pray for deliverance. Help us to give up those relationships. Help us to give up the greed. Fill us, Lord, with your goodness. Bring in kingdom connections into our lives. Lord, we trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And with every head bowed, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord, Today could be your day. Maybe God's speaking to you this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if that be you at the end of the prayer, lift your hand. And we're going to celebrate with you. So pray this prayer right there in your seat, in your heart. This be your prayer. Lift your hand. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. In your power. Thank you for your blood that was shed on Calvary's cross so that I would be free. I believe you are the Son of God. And I receive you into my heart now. In the name of Jesus. Amen.